So it's Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 to 22, and it's on page 270 in the Church Bibles, 7270, not what's on the screen, 270. So Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the son of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse and Jesse, the father of David. Great, thank you, Katie. Um, Let me lead us in a prayer as we come to reflect on that passage. Um, Father God, thank you that everything written in the past was written for our endurance and encouragement so we might have hope. Uh, And we pray, Father, you'd use this passage to give us hope in Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, evening, everyone. Let me uh, add my welcome to uh, Dawn and David and Katie and Matt's and anyone else who's been at the front. Um, I'm Michael. I'm the, uh, one of the associate ministers here. And uh, it's great to see you. Uh, right now, uh, Croatia and Canada are playing out in Qatar. Or at least I think they are. They started at four, so it might be done. But I'm not too bothered about that match. Um, the... Um, The teams I'm concerned about are Portugal and Costa Rica, the teams I drew in our staff sweepstakes. Um, Not the best draw, not the worst. Um, Now, I don't know how much you care about the World Cup, but you can imagine, can't you, all over the country, uh, young football fans, little boys and girls, worried for England's future, and as England takes to the pitch, they anxiously ask their parents, Mommy, Daddy, is it going to be all right? Is, is England going to win? And their parents reassure them, don't worry, of course they'll win. It's all going to be okay. And they might even mean it, but probably not, right? Uh, I mean, maybe if you live in Brazil, you could say, it's all going to be okay. But England, I don't know. Um, maybe I'll be proved wrong, but I don't think so. Um, anyway, we'll see what happens with the World Cup. But I wonder for us, what is it that makes, makes you anxious? 
as you think of the future, as you wonder, what does the future hold? Maybe it's the future of our country, with the cost of living rising and the NHS under pressure. Uh, maybe you worry, where are we going as a society? Maybe it's the future of our church. Where is the Church of England headed? Uh, what pressures are we going to face going forwards? Um, lots of uncertainty there. Maybe it's your own future, as you think about aging, getting older, being older, and everything that comes with that. And if someone said to you, look, don't worry, it's all going to be okay, that could feel like false hope. Um, like the reality is just too bleak to admit. But the point of this true story from the Old Testament is to give us real hope, not false hope, that Christian people can look to the future and know in the end, it really is all going to be okay. Yes, we'll have real difficulties in this life. But if we belong to Jesus, then hear this good news. We are heading to an outrageously happy ending. Whatever loss and emptiness now we face, God will see that our stories finish in rest and fullness and joy forever. That is what the future holds for God's people. And that brings us to the end of this story, to Ruth 4 on page 270, if you've closed your Bible. Um, if you're joining us tonight, we've been looking at this book for a few weeks, uh, and we're finally at the end. It's a very happy ending. Let's pick up where we left off last time. Boaz and Ruth are married, and they have a son. But at the end of the story, we come back to the person we started with, to Naomi, who's experienced a complete reversal. Remember back in chapter one, if you were here, sitting with suffering and Naomi, when she lost her sons and her husband, came back from Moab, a childless widow, telling the women of Bethlehem, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, bitter because God is against me. He's brought me from fullness to emptiness. What good could there possibly be in my future? And now we see her again with the women of Bethlehem, but now she's at rest in a secure home, and the women are celebrating. Naomi has a son, because though Naomi's long past childbearing age, Ruth and Boaz have shared little Obed with her, who will look after Naomi in years to come. He will be a redeemer for her. So instead of a bleak future, Naomi can look to a full life in her old age. It's wonderful, isn't it? If you'd seen Naomi back in chapter one, you'd never dream of saying to her, look, Naomi, don't worry. It's all gonna be okay. And she'd never have believed you if you did. But how do we last see her in this story? Verse 16. Not sitting in suffering, but cradling little baby Obed in her arms. What a reversal from where she'd been before. See, Naomi thought this was the shape of her life, that her story was going from fullness down to emptiness, a sad ending. 
But it turns out her story is the opposite, from emptiness to fullness. And it's not the life she planned. It doesn't erase the real loss along the way. But she goes from thinking, my life is over, to a wonderful happy ending she never would have seen coming. How does that happen? How was it Naomi experienced such a complete reversal? Well, verse 14, ultimately, it was the Lord's doing. The women praise the Lord because they know he's behind it. That stuff doesn't come about by chance, but that God is guiding all things, even hard things, that might make you think for a time God's against you. But it's like the women say, Naomi, you thought God was against you, but look, all along he's been for you. And how can you know? Because there's a baby born in Bethlehem who proves it, a redeemer who brings life, God's gift, who proves he is for you. So when life is hard and you feel like God is against you, look to him. Look to him. But finally, there's someone else God has worked through for Naomi. Um, the way verse 15 finishes in our Bibles, it lands things on baby Obed, as if he's the key person in changing Naomi's life. But in the original, it reads a bit more like this. For your daughter-in-law who loves you has given him birth. She is better to you than seven sons. Ruth, she is the reason for Naomi's happy ending. That word love, it's the only time that word's used in this book. In other words, Naomi might not end up married, but the greatest example of love in this story isn't the love between a husband and wife like we might expect. It's the love of Ruth for her aging mother-in-law loyally putting Naomi first. And to call Ruth better than seven sons is insane praise in that culture, where sons were valued so highly. Seven sons is a, a kind of way of saying, this is the ideal family everyone wants. But it's like the women are saying to Naomi, and maybe to us, it's like they're saying, look, you might not have the kind of family you wanted, the kind of family that the culture thinks you should have. But see the wonderful gift God has given you, the family God has blessed you with, and realize he's been at work for your good through people like this. Isn't that good? It's how this story ends, from emptiness to fullness. A very happy ending for Naomi. And it's all wrapped up. If this were a film, this is where the end would appear and the credits would roll down the screen. You can imagine it, can't you? Except it's not the end. Happy as it is, there's more. Because here at the end, the story breaks out like a river bursting its banks and it streams from Ruth and Naomi and Boaz into the future. Because it turns out, verse 17, little baby Obad is actually the grandfather of David. 
Israel's greatest king. And that list of names in verse 18, that genealogy, that might read as, uh, as interesting as it feels to watch the credits at the end of a movie, uh, the bit after the action that no one sticks around for because it's boring, but here's what it's doing for us. Um, we might feel like the little events of our little lives have no significance in the big scheme of things. But this is showing us all the little events of this little story were always part of something way bigger. So imagine this genealogy like a long chain. And the chain stretches right back to Israel's past, to Perez, and right forwards to King David. Well, here's the big reveal. This little story of little people in a nowhere place turns out to be a huge link in that chain. God was at work, not just in the lives of Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, but through it all to bring about a king for Israel. And here's the thing, if you can put yourself in their shoes, at the time, it would have been impossible to see God was at work like that. Because remember when all this happens, in the time of the judges, Israel's darkest days, when there was no king, and everyone did what they saw fit. Well, how was God at work in terrible times to bring about a king and change the future? Well, through a young woman's commitment to her mother-in-law, and someone going gleaning in the fields and being shown mercy by the owner, uh, through a midnight marriage proposal, and through a legal drama at a town gate. In other words, God's work for the future in terrible times didn't look like miracles, nothing that would make the headlines, just the ordinary everyday faithfulness of his people. In a bad generation, God was quietly at work for the future through the ordinary everyday faithfulness of his people. That's how God works. And Ruth and Naomi and Boaz could never have guessed what God was up to. I mean, they know now, but, uh, but not then. They didn't leave, live to see how God used their little actions of love to bring about Israel's greatest king. They didn't know what their actions added up to. And they didn't need to know, because God did. He had the links in the chain worked out, even if they didn't. They just got on with being godly, and they prayed, and they left the future to God. Doesn't that help us as we look to what the future holds? We don't know what it holds. We don't have it worked out. But God does. And this story is meant to reassure us that God is making something out of our little acts of love. That the good works done by his people, acts of everyday faithfulness, that you'd think are destined to disappear like drops in the ocean, he will cause to ripple out with lasting results. As for how he'll do that, we'll never know any more than Ruth and Naomi and Boaz knew. But in God's economy, nothing good we do, however small, will finally be wasted. It's not in vain. Changing a child's nappies 10 times a day for months, years, 
inviting an older, older relative to come live with you, battling temptation day after day, though only God sees. At school, moving towards the person that everyone else keeps on the outside. In the car, being kind to other drivers on the road, trying to love a family member who doesn't appreciate it, moisturizing the hands of a dying hospital patient. In the end, nothing good Christians do will finally be wasted. How God will say to that, we don't know. But we never know how God is at work through the everyday faithfulness of his people. Like he was quietly at work bringing about King David. And that seems like a pretty good place to leave things, doesn't it? A happy ending for Naomi, climaxing with King David. Surely that's the end. Except it's not. Happy as it is, there's more. Because it turns out, Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, they weren't just links in this chain that stretches to King David. They never could have known. They were links in a chain that stretches all the way to Jesus. Here are some verses from Matthew's gospel up on the screen. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. And a few lines later, here are these names. Boaz, the father of Obad, whose mother was Ruth. See, Ruth and Boaz and Naomi's little story has always been leading to Jesus. A baby born in Bethlehem, born to redeem the hopeless and bring life by living and dying and rising again and one day returning to bring everything under his good rule. See, we might feel our little stories are like this, that we'll peak somewhere in this life and it's all downhill from there. And the truth is, that's how our stories deserve to be, given our sin against the author, against God. We deserve to be going downhill forever. But because of Jesus, our stories can be reversed, redeemed, so that if we trust him, this life may be hard now, but he will give his people the very happiest of endings. And the point of Ruth is that that's open to anyone. Just look at his great granny, Ruth the Moabite, the dodgy outsider who could never be part of God's people. Well, God went out of his way to make sure that Jesus has Moabite DNA. Moabite blood flows through Jesus' veins, dodgy outsider blood, because he didn't come just to redeem one sort of person, but all sorts, anyone who comes to him, whatever your origin, your background, your race, everyone is welcome. And if that's true, if that's you, if you've put your trust in this Redeemer, then know this, our stories will have an outrageously happy ending because of him. Do you realize your sometimes sad story will have a happy ending beyond your wildest dreams because of the Redeemer God has given us? 
Hannah and my wife. We sometimes, Hannah and my wife. My wife, Hannah, my wife, and I. <laughs> Sorry, Hannah. We, uh, we like watching a, a film from time to time. Um, and I remember discovering that uh, if a film was particularly tense, Hannah would look up the ending ahead of time so she'd know uh, what was coming and how it was going to turn out. And I thought, this is ridiculous. But Hannah's comeback was, look, Michael, spoilers are biblical. God has told us the ending. We know how it's all going to end. And annoyingly, she's right. Or I should say, wonderfully, she's right. Whatever happens with our country and our church and our bodies, we know how the story ends. The authors told us. Maybe we find ourselves longing for the past, for better times. Well, for the Christian, the best is always ahead. And what we're looking forward to, you could sum it up this way. Uh, these letters, Jerusalem, something you can walk through letter by letter. Let's do that together. J, Jesus will be there. Paradise, it's not so much a where, but a who. It's being with Jesus that will make heaven heaven. E, an end to sorrow and suffering. No more war, no more worry, no more loneliness. No old bodies that ache and break and die, but resurrection bodies full of life. Can you imagine? R, a renewed creation. You know, as beautiful as our world can be, and it can be beautiful, we've never seen an unfallen sunrise. What will that be like? You, undeserved, every day will feel like the luckiest people in the world. How could sinners like us belong here? All because of Jesus. And we'll never get over the fact that he loved us enough to die for us. S, sinless. No more struggling to live God's way. No more shame. No more mixed motives. We'll be free to love God and do what we want. A, adoring God perfectly. No more distraction in prayer. No more half-heartedness in worship at church. We will delight with all our hearts to worship and praise our good God. L, love. Heaven will be a world of love because we'll be with the very fountain of love himself. E, everlasting. Whatever hardships we suffered in this life will be a speck on the scales of eternity, light and momentary compared to the weight of glory that will never run out. And am multitude, a family of Moabites and Israelites and Brits and people from all nations, united, brought together in our Redeemer. And that barely scratches the surface. I love that verse from John Newton's hymn, Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining is the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Because this happy ending we'll one day enjoy, however good it gets, 
we'll be able to look at each other and say, that's not the end. As happy as it is, there's more. Well, let me lead us in a prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for the good news of Jesus and belonging to him. Thank you that you've blessed us uh, with knowing you now and with an outrageously happy ending of being with him forever. And we pray, Father, again, as we prayed before, that that would give us hope, the kind of hope that helps us to endure in the present when life is hard and it's hard to be a Christian. Please help us, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, musicians coming back up.